I thought with all the pastors in the room, people from other church, uh, other churches, why not pick the most controversial topic uh, to address uh, on our series? Is that still a thing? Is that still a thing? So that's the series we're in in the PM. It's not broadcast, so I get extra in some of the things I say. And tonight I just thought, why don't we pick like one of those topics that Christians just can't seem to agree on and then address that. And I want to talk to you tonight about whether is baptism of the Spirit still a thing? Now, by way of, by, by way of a poll, okay, <laughs> Okay, but whatever, okay, some, the, the charismatics already put their hand up. They don't know why, but they're so full of the Spirit, they're agreeing with everything. And then there's like sane people here, Baptists and in here people and all that, and they're going, oh no, we came to this church because there wasn't a lunatic on the stage spitting on all of us, and now we're going to listen to all of this. So, so by way of a poll, how, how many of you, and last week you were not helpful in the poll about which time the service should start. It, 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 it was an even. Um, but how many of you have had some kind of like happy clappy experience concerning the Holy Spirit and it was a positive experience? Quick show of hands. Right. How many of you have had a happy clappy experience and it kind of has left a bit of a not so positive experience? Quick show of hands. Wow, exactly half. What is good? Like, I don't understand. And then how many of you are not going to put your hand up no matter what I ask and are not interested in this poll at all? Um, I, I think it's fair to say, so my personal experience, if I can tell you, I've had a lot a lot of happy, clappy experiences in church. I grew up in a movement called the Assemblies of God. Oh, hallelujah. Bengus Church. How many of you are Assemblies of God people? Okay. Uh, you didn't go home until something happened to you. I just want you to know. I also preached it, but then you wouldn't let people go home until something happened to them. And then I have to admit that there was a lot of that stuff that started out well, and then it became forced, if I've got to be honest. So eventually you're laying hands on people and just helping them cry because everyone wants to go home and something needs to happen. So I'm just going to admit that I've been through all of that. The difficulty is, like many things of faith, just because human nature took advantage of it or misinterpreted it does not mean we should never talk about it. We've been through that conversation on the issue of finances. Just because it's really abused a lot in Christianity doesn't mean we should never talk about it at all. Because then you rob yourself of the truth of Scripture and you live under the toxic environment that lies created. You didn't, you're not living by the lie, but you're living by the environment the lie created. It's like if you're dating someone and the relationship ends badly and then you decide all relationships are bad. That relationship has now created an environment for you in which you cannot flourish. And that's unreasonable, amen? So I think it's important we not avoid it altogether. I also want you to know we're not gonna go as far as like the whole issue of speaking in tongues tonight. Let's do that like on another night. Like let's have a separate conversation. We've already speak in 11 official languages in South Africa. I don't know if we need another one, a heavenly one, a 12th one. Um, it, uh, it, it might be so. But here's a 3.16 verse in the Bible. We all know John 3.16, right for God so? Okay, so let's do a Luke 3.16 because it's got this uh, topic in it. John, 
answered them all saying, I, John the Baptist, baptise you with water, but who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose uh, Birkenstocks I am not worthy to untie. Well, that's sort of how he would have, I don't know. Uh, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's very interesting. It's interesting that John, in describing the work of Jesus, described it as an example similar to his baptism. So he said, my job is to baptise with water. So he uses that example himself. He says, but Jesus is coming and he's going to do something similar to what I'm doing, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that's a fair scripture, right? Now I'm going to preach about this on, on Passover weekend, the, the whole thing of, of water. And, and we're baptising in water on um, on Resurrection Sunday. So if, if, you, if you haven't been baptised and want to, that might be a great opportunity to do that. But can I give you like advanced info that you can, you can pretend you've never heard on, on Good Friday? And he said, just pretend you've never heard it. But the, the Greek word, how amazing. The Greek word that creates the word vaftizo is a beautiful word. It means to, would you believe, immerse, to put under. So that, I suppose that term alone, that verse, that language should make you ask yourself the question, uh, do I ever, have I ever felt saved? I think we must make that connection. Have I felt, am I meant to feel differently now that I'm a follower of Jesus? And I think when we go down that road, we can immediately feel an anxiety of, well, I don't want to be emotional all the time, but I also don't want to be cold. And I want to talk to you tonight about how important it is for God to give you language for your salvation that is not carnal. It's not the feelings of this world. It is the expression, the exuberance, the excitement of a spiritual language. You have to have a spiritual language. How many of you um, uh, have different kinds of language depending on who you're talking to? How many of you got bro language? Like you've just got language that you use only with your bros. And what I mean by that is I'll never forget this. Uh, a married guy, not Mike. It's his anniversary. He didn't make this mistake. And although it's popular on TikTok, uh, he, he said to his wife one day, bro... Let's do this, dude. And 15 years ago, that was not okay. And his wife said, I am not one of your friends. I am your wife. Talk to me like your wife. There's language. Then when a baby enters the picture, grown men will make the strangest sounds. Like grown men, goo-goo and gaga and ooh-ooh and get on their knees and hop around and... Uh, and that's appropriate. Then when you, you know, like tonight, Mike received the offering like a CA. He analysed the economic climate, reflected it upon financial planning, segued it into the importance of playing the long game and not the short game during a bullish market versus a bear market and said, keep tithing. It was a CA who got up here and received the offering. Can we, can we just say amen to that? Some of you are like, yeah, just let me flow code that thing. And then you've got language that is an expression of a sport. You've got terminology around that. Should you not also have language of faith? Words 
that express your affection with the Lord, for the Lord, uh, and by the Lord in a certain kind of way. I think that is important. Ephesians 5.18, uh, some of you are going to get stuck on the first part of the verse, but just, re- just receive it. Just receive it. Just relax. I didn't know. Do not get drunk. Oh, with wine. Now, I know some of you are, I know some of you are like, okay, but I don't want the wine anyway. It's a universal principle, okay? It's not. Don't get drunk with wine for, uh, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Another verse that suggests that there is a condition you find yourself in when you allow the Holy Spirit to take root in your life. I, I think that is important. In Acts chapter 19, there is a wonderful example of believers meeting in a house. Acts 19 is a, a bunch of believers who happen to not be Jewish believers. It was a new thing. Paulus uh, was at Corinth. Paul took the road through the interior, arrives at Ephesus, a Greek place. Yay, Greeks. Then he found some disciples. They were definitely disciples. And he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? They answered, no, we didn't even hear that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul said to them, what baptism? John's baptism, and they replied, uh, uh, the baptism of repentance. So that was this first act saying, I repent of my sins and I receive Jesus. And, um, and on hearing this, verse five, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And there's that 10th scripture. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. I accept and I acknowledge that that is the start of the work of God amongst the Gentiles. So there's something uniquely special about it. But I also see in there a pattern, a pattern of believers wanting to not only have knowledge of salvation, but have the power of salvation. And there is, a, there is a very important, that is how far I want to go tonight. I want to go as far as to say that there is a knowledge of salvation, which is to know that I am a sinner saved by grace and to know that the only Savior is Jesus. And in the knowing, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But there is one more step that will radically change your life just as much as the first one. And that is to be filled by the divine supernatural, heaven-sent power and presence of God. Jesus said, I must go to the Father. When I get to the Father, I will send another, a help of the Holy Spirit, so that you will not feel orphaned. So in a sense, there are these two partners that make our faith powerful. Jesus Christ, my Savior, and the Holy Spirit, my authority. They are both people in the Trinity, but one might describe the one as having a different function than the other, a different function than the other. And tonight I I want to ask the question, is there a risk that we make Christianity academic, inspirational even, possibly emotional at times, contemporary and wise, but then forget, have we, have we eliminated perhaps, have we overstructured it in such a way that there is no room for the divine power of God to have space in our hearts? 
And tonight I, I want to invite you to leave room for him to inhabit your heart. To inhabit your heart. Why is that important? You change not just from the person you meet, you change from the person whose company you keep. And the Holy Spirit wants to keep company with you. That's where change happens. And I think that's very, very important. You know, I've noticed that um, when you keep company with certain people, you pick up habits, right? You pick up accents. You pick up language. You even pick up taste, taste in music or taste in opinions. And when you let the Holy Spirit have a space to inhabit your life, then you pick up the character of God and you start to, you start to be transformed. I think there's a, there are, oh, my language is so bad. I think there are a lot of believing Christians, but who are not bold Christians because they have a, a form of godliness, but, but not the power, the power in it. So, so let me use the riskiest example of all. Um, have you ever bought something and then when you got home and opened it, you realized uh, it doesn't come with batteries. Have you realized how annoying that is? I have a drawer, a man drawer of various sizes of batteries. Do you know which battery I need on any given day? The one I don't have. Now, I use this as a risky example because I don't like equating the Holy Spirit to a power source because he's a person. But let's simplify for the sake of simplification. Your faith is very, very powerful. But if you don't get plugged into some kind of spiritual authority, you will be a, a tool without a power source. It's like a Christian, but no batteries included. The lights don't come on all the time. That sounds so rude, doesn't it? It's like, what's it? The lights are on, but nobody's home. It's not like that. It's just like you want to pray, but you don't know how to get it going off the ground. You want to believe, but you don't know how to get yourself out of unbelief. You want to love the unlovable or just love somebody, but you don't know how to broach that so there's a barrier, but you're a believer, a believer with a barrier because Christ has not been given consent to allow the Holy Spirit to break every chain and break every barrier and then transform you and to inhabit your space. So then, uh, Ephesians 1.17, let me, I'll, I'll take it to an, a, a, a description and then we'll just create a time for prayer. Hey, that's as far as, if you were anxious about how, like whether you were gonna be dragged to the front and like pushed over, I was pushed over a few times at church services, I'll be totally honest with you. And I was even at a few church services that I just looked behind me and casually, gently fell because I needed to... Uh, go home. I'm just confessing. I've been in all of those. I've had pastors take run-ups, you know, hallelujah. Like, I don't need any of that. I, don't, I think it's unhelpful. I don't think it is holy. I think it's not evil. I just think it's maybe too much emotion and, I don't know, martiness in the wrong places. I've been to, but I've also uh, been, stood in the front row in a holy moment of worship and an overwhelming awe of the greatness of God uh, has come 
Do you know, every time I hear that alarm, it's like I'm allowed to eat and all I see again are burgers. Like I'm on intermittent fasting and you, you are all like food. But there's food outside. I've been in quiet moments. In other words, you don't have to make it a drama in order to make it divine. It's just not necessary. Why do we do that? Is that a clappable moment? You just don't have to do that. In fact, sometimes I think the performance is greater than the punch, you know. I just think like, if you just toned it down and let God be God, it would be fine. And there's absolutely no evidence in Scripture that there is any need for drama. And I think you've already got enough drama in your life. Okay, uh, I'm not going to go further than that. I like this description. So production, you don't need to follow me for the next bit. I like this description on the work of the Holy Spirit. Imagine different levels of a relationship with somebody. Say I'm married, or perhaps let's use a very current example. Mike and Kelly Joe, uh, who from now on will not be able to say he was recently married. He will now have to say, I've been married for more than a year now. Which is just like an authority, I think. <laughs> You're the only one clapping. We're like, nah. Do nine more and we'll talk then, buddy. Um, the relationship uh, between the two is a covenant. They stood before God and they made a covenant. When, when Mike goes home and Kelly Jo, who's a doctor, might be at hospital, she's not in the room, but it's evident that she was here. There are indicators of Kelly Jo's person and, and personality in the room. It's things she's put up. It's, it's decor. It's warmth. It's art. It's preference. That's one level. Uh, another level uh, could be uh, that Kelly Jo uh, is at hospital uh, on shift and Mike comes home and on that day, uh, it was Kelly Joe's turn to prepare a meal. And Mike comes home to a nice home-cooked meal or an Uber Eats. I don't know what your guy's vibe is. I've got no idea. I just know Mike does eat uh, stuff out of a lunchbox. So uh, I see that every now and then. But, and there he will say, you know, enjoy my, it'll say, enjoy my love. Now we have evidence of... Kelly Joe in the space has become a, a personal moment of nourishment and evidence of preparation. And then the third level of relationship is they both there in the house together and, and they prepare a meal together uh, for uh, one another and they enjoy each other's fellowship or company. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit immediately comes and inhabits your soul and starts putting up the decoration of your salvation. He nails on the doorpost, child of God. He comes into the room and he puts up the pictures of God's plan for your life. And he is immediately at work. And then there comes times of refreshing, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, where you have spent moments with God and the Holy Spirit has prepared a meal. And in a sermon or a song or a daily devotion, the Holy Spirit just pops something and it's food for your soul. And it's a little prophetic note that says, for you, my love.
And then there is that impartation of the Spirit where you and the Holy Spirit together, you the vessel and He the treasure, you the hands and feet and He the voice, um, move through life in partnership through gifts and and through availability and being an ambassador. And that's the very highest space for the Holy Spirit. And not one of those is a class. We all are there at different times. Not one is better than the other. It's just different seasons. I've had moments when all I know is that he's with me. And I've had moments when I've said something and I've realized he just spoke through me. And all you need to do is make space for the indwelling of the Spirit in your life. Is the receiving of the Holy Spirit or the renewing and infilling of the Holy Spirit still a thing? For as long as we have the human condition of frailty, we need the divine impartition impartation of faith by the Holy Spirit. We are jars of clay without the divine power, presence, and authority of God. And I don't want for us to have only a knowledge of salvation, but none of the power of salvation. Let me close with this. When I pray for somebody or with somebody or about something like our country, my knowledge of Jesus is not working. My knowledge of Jesus works for me. When I pray for someone, it is the Holy Spirit working, not my knowledge. My knowledge is insufficient. When I pray for South Africa or the drought, I have no knowledge how that's going to resolve. I have no knowledge, even in my faith in God, how that's going to end. But I release faith that God knows. And God, by His Spirit, will do something that my mind doesn't understand and my hands can't achieve and my frail prayer can't solve. But somewhere in all of that, God is at work. And it is not what I know. It is who I know. And I simply make myself available for Him kind of to be present. Now, if you want to go into the other side of it, you know, different gifts, and then please, I, I will say one thing as I close. Please, by all means, receive the gifts and even the gift of tongues. But don't walk around like it is a bad badge of accomplishment. Don't do that. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if you can speak in tongues, do it at home before you do it in church. And I wish somebody had told me that because I was that guy in the front. And then you get visitors coming to church just like, is that, was that Arabic? Is, was that Greek? What's wrong with the guy? Because the Bible says, be very careful you don't think that your gift is some kind of a special badge that makes you more important than another. Because somebody here might be more powerful in God by serving a cup of coffee to somebody in need and without knowing it has blessed an angel in disguise than the guy who's shouting up and down. It's just, sometimes we get very fake about these things and we drift off into the clouds of irrelevance rather than be grounded in the 
root of, of, of authority. Can you say amen to that? And of course, there's time to talk about these things. But my conversation with you tonight needs to take us to the landing place of, I have received Christ having come to a knowledge of the truth, but I am also open to the impartation and indwelling of the Holy Spirit because He dwells in me and He changes my life from glory to glory. Can you say amen to that? Let's stand together as we pray here. I feel like I waved my arms a lot there. I, I guess um, the topic provoked that. Uh, the people coming to the front here come to pray for you, and so you're welcome to come forward for prayer. But here's what I would like to do, and one or two people are drifting off to prepare uh, the coffee and the uh, pancakes and the um, Seattle and all that. But here's what I would like. I'd like you to just say yes. Consider just saying yes to the Lord for His Spirit to be at work in you. That's what, that's what I'm inviting you to do. That's, I think, how far we need to go on that. I, don't, I just don't, I don't want, I just don't think it needs to be weird. It, it just needs to be, yes, Lord, I'd like your Spirit to be at work in us. And on that, every um, Christian church denomination I know agrees on that. Yes to the Holy Spirit at work in us. There's no one who will disagree. So I wonder if in this moment, maybe would you uh, offer me the opportunity just to ask a question and you could just close your eyes just to uh, honour one another's confidentiality and integrity. But if maybe the light bulb came on when you realise there's this one side or first step where you are a Christian because you've gained an understanding of the need of a, of a saviour and you've accepted Jesus. But you've discovered step two tonight. Not step two to be saved, done and dusted by Jesus forever. Step two is, I, I need the batteries. I need the plug-in. I need the connection. I need, as Romans 8 says, God's Spirit joining Himself to our Spirit to declare that we are children of God. I need that. I need to feel my connection with God start to nourish my soul. It never crossed your mind that there is that step two. And you just want to say yes to God for that. Would you um, simply acknowledge by raising your hand. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. Just long enough for me to kind of see it. And it's not a, this is not like an ego trip so I can go home and say 40 people. You know, this is just, I'd like you to take an action. And I, I, I just, I, I became aware that half of you have had negative experiences. And I just want to, uh, on behalf of the, my type, preacher type, I want to say sorry. I want to say sorry that you were pushed and forced and shoved into some kind of a thing, almost unfairly beyond your own permission, just felt like a victim in like a system of somethingness. And it all felt fake to you and it felt forced and I just want to say sorry. And I just want to tell you that is not the Holy Spirit. He is the most remarkable, both gentle and powerful person that you will find inhabited in one place at the same time. So Lord, we say yes to you. And we say yes to the work of the Holy Spirit. We say yes 
to the refreshing, receiving, imparting, baptizing of the Spirit, as John uh, recommended, and Ephesians reinforced, and Acts demonstrated, we say yes. Not out of fear or insufficiency, our salvation is fully sufficient on Jesus Christ. But we say yes to connection, to authority, to habitation, and to life change. Please fill us. And as a church, we say yes to the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, okay, the last shout of praise to the Lord for the night.